Welcome to this episode of the Greater Phoenix Chambers podcast, Let's Talk Business Phoenix, with me, your host, Todd Sanders, President and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Chamber. In each episode, we tackle important issues and subjects affecting our businesses, our community, and the state today. Through relevant, timely topics, this podcast serves as the business community's voice with the mission of championing business growth, identifying problems that restrict economic development, and conveying community leaders to move Phoenix forward. Let's Talk Business Phoenix was produced in partnership with Ideas Collide, an agency offering a full suite of custom marketing solutions for your brand's unique challenges. Make a connection at ideascollide.com. Well, welcome back uh, to the podcast. We are privileged and honored to have Attorney General Chris Mays joining us today. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's good to be here. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, well, why don't we start uh, by maybe uh, learning a little bit more about you? Clearly, we saw and heard a lot from you during the elections and since, but maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and then maybe perhaps something that we wouldn't find on your bio. Oh, that's an interesting question. Okay. Well, you know, I I have been attorney general now for uh, almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, uh, I was a professor at ASU. So I, bet, I spent about, you know, 13 years uh, at ASU teaching energy law, utility law. Because prior to that, I uh, spent, as you know, about seven and a half years on the Arizona Corporation Commission. Mm-hmm. So I was a utility regulator, um, and so, as you know, that's a statewide office. And quasi-judicial. In quasi-judicial, a way. correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually also prosecuted civil securities fraud and worked closely with the attorney general's office um, in that capacity because we would sometimes hand off cases to them to prosecute from a criminal standpoint. But um, primarily that job, as you know, is focused on regulating the state's largest utilities and um so that I served two terms. Uh, back then, I was a Republican. Now I'm a Democrat, so I've been both. Um, and uh, and you know, prior to that, I was a newspaper reporter, uh, going way back uh, to the 1990s. I covered uh, politics and the legislature and the governor for the Arizona Republic and then the mm-hmm. Phoenix Gazette. So I've had a, a, a wonderfully wild and yes. kind of interesting career. Renaissance woman. Like, I guess. Some, I don't know. That's a positive spin on it, I suppose. <laughs> but my mother used to say I could, couldn't keep a job. So I, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's been, I've been blessed mm-hmm. to, to be able to have all these roles. And I think all of them, um, I have been very useful to me as attorney general. I sort of look back on even my time as a journalist and, and realize that that taught me a very valuable skill, which is, you know, how to ask tough questions of powerful people, powerful entities. Um, and even more importantly, how to ask the right follow-up questions, uh, whether you're talking to a utility or you're talking about uh, prosecuting fentanyl um, and, uh, you know, protecting our water supplies and all the things I'm sure we'll get into today. And, and, and I think it's interesting how, you know, careers can kind of meander, but it's, it, it, they lead somewhere. And obviously that's what happened for you. Yeah. It feels, it feels in a lot of ways it led, led to a place that it was meant to lead for Mm -hmm. me. I feel as, as I sort of conclude my first uh, year as attorney general, I kind of feel like, um, 
in in some ways this was the job I was meant to do. Um, and, and, uh, I, I just really want to, uh, at the end of the day, be the best attorney general ever Arizona has ever seen and ever had. And, you know, in my mind, Grant Woods was, um, and Good so man. if I can, yeah, absolutely. And he was one of my first co-chairs before he passed away. And, um, he actually encouraged me to get into the race. I don't know that I would have run without that, without his yeah. encouragement. So, um, if, um, if I can meet his standard, um, I actually work off of his desk. His, 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 uh, widow, Marlene Galan Woods called me and asked me if I wanted to have his desk, if I wanted her to get it out of storage. And I said, absolutely. I would love that Marlene. So every day I go to work and I work mm. off of his desk. A nice way to honor him. Yeah, I hope so. And, and keep um, mom happy now that you've, you're, you're keeping a job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That too. And you had asked me one thing that's yes. not on my bio. Well, I was a very successful badminton uh, really? player in high school. Yes, I love badminton and almost won the state doubles championship, uh, but uh, came, came, came this close to winning the state doubles championship. And what's the key to being a good badminton player? Um, being quick on your feet. I can imagine I mean, that yes. thing really moves quickly. It's it, absolutely the bird moves quickly. So you got it. You got to be ready. Well, it's a good metaphor probably for, for where you are today. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, well, clearly the attorney general constitutional officer, immense responsibility and power within the state of Arizona. Talk to us a little bit about the role of the attorney general and the attorney general's office. So the attorney general is, um, what I like to refer to as the lawyer for the people. I want mm. people to view me as a lawyer for the people. You, I, it's my job to um, look out for um, and protect all Arizonans, um, whether that uh, has to do with en- environmental protection, fighting the fentanyl crisis, protecting our water supplies. Um, I filed major lawsuits on behalf of the people of Arizona. So you've seen a, a number of those get filed over the last uh, year. Um, we, the attorney general, uh, uh, plays an important role in prosecuting, uh, and, uh, and fighting consumer fraud. Um, but the AG also represents all of, almost all of the state agencies. So not all, all right. but there are a few carve out state agencies like access and the department of water resources that I don't represent, but for by and large, I'm the lawyer for state agencies. So we have DEQ, for instance, gets sued. You're essentially their their attorney. Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so that's that's a big uh, yeah. big part of this uh, job. And um, we also have a division, a very very large division called the Child and Family Protective uh, Division, which is the uh, office that represents DCS in um, child protection cases, so really tough cases. I and imagine. Really tough. And when I came into office that division was 40% down on personnel. And these are, these are lawyers who, and they, we have lawyers who are carrying caseloads that are far too high. So one of the things I've been trying to do is increase the budget for that division, which is so important to protecting our kids, our most vulnerable kids. Um, And so that's been a real big priority of mine. Glad to hear that. What's the biggest misnomer about the AG's office? Or the AG's role. Great question. Um, that well, it's interesting. I think the biggest misnomer is that that it 
sort of is around the fact that that I think most people think that it is almost entirely uh, related to prosecutions. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, that, and I think a lot of people maybe think that we prosecute different cases than we do. Our office, def- we have a, a criminal division that is incredibly important, and I'm so proud of our criminal division. Uh, we prosecute some the biggest mm-hmm. drug cases in the state of Arizona. We are the on the tip of the spear. We are the tip of the spear when it comes to going after the drug cartels uh, that are bringing the fentanyl into Arizona in record uh, at a record rate. Um, And so and then we do other big uh, criminal cases. We don't do what county attorneys do, which is uh, for the most part, we don't do homicides Mm -hmm. and we don't do. you know, other sort of some of the smaller, small, but, you know, um, individual criminal cases. So that's, I guess that would be the misnomer. People make that, that uh, mistake. Yeah. They make that leap, but, um, understandable given the name of the office. Absolutely. Um, and, and clearly given your level of experience, it seemed to me from, from the, from the cheap seats that when you came into office, you organized pretty quickly and you got going, uh, which, which makes some sense. What are some of your top priorities now that you really, um, Heading down the highway. Yeah, we we really wanted to hit the ground running, and and um, because I, I Todd, I, one of the things that I came into this office understanding, having been a corporation commissioner, is how precious every single day is. Yeah. When you are given, when you are handed by the voters, and in my case, by only two hundred eighty votes, but nevertheless, not a landslide victory, but nevertheless, you understand. I understood, having been in office before, how precious every single day is and how hard we have to work on behalf of the people of Arizona, how much work we have to do. So our priorities, my priorities are really around protecting the people of Arizona. Number one, we are fighting this fentanyl scourge. Uh, number two, I'm very insistent um, around uh, about protecting our water supplies. As you know, I've been very critical of um the state, state government's decisions in the past um, to allow the Saudis, for instance, mm-hmm. to come in and um, pump our groundwater for free um, without any limits. And I've been fighting that. Uh, we also are standing have stood up a, an elder abuse task force to try to protect our elderly. We have, as you know, we have. Yes. An enormous number of seniors moving to Arizona. We have uh, one of the fast, the fastest growing uh, senior population in the country and elder abuse is on the rise. And so I put together a task force. We are going to attack this problem like no other AG has ever attacked it, both from a criminal, from a criminal standpoint. We will attack, we will, we will prosecute criminal elder abuse, physical elder abuse, financial elder abuse, and we're going to use a civil statute that's never been used before by by the AG to really hold nursing homes and and long-term care facility homes that are bad actors mm-hmm. that have allowed this kind of abuse to go on system systematically. We're going to hold them responsible for that uh, from a civil standpoint. Well, certainly important, just like you mentioned kids, um, our elders as well, and, and certainly going after bad actors. Aside from nursing homes, what are there, where are there areas are you seeing elder abuse? 
Yeah, well, we see it. We see it not just in nursing homes. We see it in in smaller care uh, uh, mm. homes. So um, the sort of group uh, group home uh, 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 sort of setting. We also see it on from from individual, um, you know, caretakers, mm. people who. Uh, in some cases, unfortunately, fleece the very people that they were designated to take care Something of. Something with power of attorney that can exactly yeah. that can take uh, take people's money um, or physically abuse them. And so we're we're going we're tr- going to try to go after all of that. We've got several prosecutions already um, underway or completed, and I think you're just going to see us be very very aggressive on that for the next uh, three years. Oh. Certainly, uh, an important thing to, to focus on. It is because if we don't do it, it you know, it's just yeah. not going to get done. Our county attorneys are swamped with with other issues, local law enforcement swamped with other issues. So, it, if the AG doesn't focus on it, it's probably not going to get done. You bet. Well, you've mentioned fentanyl, and and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you're thinking about that. And clearly we are sort of at the epicenter, it seems like right now in terms of what's happening at the border, border security. Clearly much of that's federal, but where, where have you been engaged in that mix in yeah. terms of border security, the fentanyl crisis? Obviously you are doing something on that. We, well, you're absolutely right. Arizona is at the epicenter of the fentanyl crisis and there is absolutely no doubt about that. We are, I call it, uh, I say that, um, you know, Arizona is the fentanyl funnel for the rest of the country. Uh, last year in 2022, Todd, the, um, DEA seized in Arizona alone, 33 million fentanyl pills. Now to give you a sense of the scope of that, um, Texas, they seized 1.2 million. Okay. So everybody sort of thinks Texas right. is always, is, it's always Texas. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. Arizona is where the, the, the drug cartels are, are using Arizona like UPS. They're bringing it across our border. They're repackaging it and they're sending it to other states. And we know this because we are doing these major investigations, uh, against the drug cartels. And we are, um, we are seeing it through our law, law enforcement tools which I won't get into, but, um, we, we are seeing that. And so, um, this is a crisis for our state and it absolutely is a border related issue. We cannot, and I've, I've said this to people in Washington, DC who are in my own party. Mm-hmm. And I I'll say it here. You cannot address fentanyl without using the B word border and and um it's coming through our ports of entry but it's also coming across the border uh, increasingly as our border patrol are forced to deal with um the self-surrenders that are going on and the immigration crisis um and so we we need more resources and this i've I've said this to the dea administrator uh in dc i've spoken to the vice president about this uh, the vice president of the united states about this we need more prosecutorial resources we need more dea agents there are not enough dea say, is there a shortage it sounds yes. like there's a border patrol shortage as well there's a border patrol shortage there is a dea agent shortage in arizona and it's almost like the federal government has not woken up to the fact that we are the epicenter of this crisis and it it 
deeply frustrates me. And I am doing everything I can except light my hair on fire um, to to try to make that case Mm -hmm. to the federal government. And um, it's just, it's you know, and the sheriffs are frustrated. I talk to sheriffs um, all the time about this. and, And we are doing everything we can to prosecute these cases, to investigate these cases. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and you'll see more from my office uh, in terms of our getting as aggressive as I can, um, as a state, uh, from, from the, from the state standpoint, but make no mistake that this is a crisis and, uh, we have got to do more, uh, to, to solve it because this stuff not only goes to other states, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's some of it stays, a lot of it stays right here in Arizona. You know, I mean, Todd, they they are now saying that seven out of ten fentanyl pills have a potentially lethal dose. Just think about that. For, yeah. I mean, I have a ten year old daughter, yep. um, and I, it's terrifying, isn't it's it? It's terrifying. Yeah, I and I talk to her every day, and I encourage yep. parents to talk to their kids, tell them, do not put this stuff, anything in your mouth yep. that you don't know where it came from. So um, we we we. We know that it's um, a different kind of drug. It's different from cocaine. It's different from mm-hmm. meth and and um, pretty much every other kind of drug. It's very compact. It's much easier to carry across the border, and it is very, very lethal. Well, I'm glad to see us not admiring the problem like what we're seeing in D.C., and, 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 and that obviously has to change, and that's for all of us to make sure that they know yes. the delegation understands and the rest of Congress understands. Yeah, if the, the business, to the degree the business community can can help make this case because it is going to continue to affect our kids, yeah. and it's, you know, from the standpoint of attracting businesses to our state, I think it's something we have got to get a, a handle on. Absolutely. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, you, you mentioned uh, consumer protection. Um, what are some of what are you seeing out there in terms of some of the common scams and and approaches that people are taking to to target Arizona? It's really, really scary. This is also a scary area. Um, so we are uh, because Arizona. Um, so we obviously have a booming population, booming economy and a booming um, senior population. We are increasingly being targeted by fraudsters, scam artists, uh, whether that's, you know, telemarketing um, or, or scams over the telephone. Uh, we are seeing increasingly AI scams, which is super scary. And uh, it's easy to fall for some of that stuff. It really is. And we're seeing people's voices being cloned and attempted, uh, you know, scam artists calling people, attempting to extort them by uh, using people's actual voices that are cloned. All, All they really need is a couple of seconds of your voice to clone your voice and try to trick somebody into believing that they're holding you hostage. And so our, what, what our advice to people is if you get a call like that, you know, first of all, arrange ahead of time with your loved ones to have a safe, a, a word that you only, you know, because there's that whole thing about we've got your kids in Mexico, yes. send money, that kind of thing. So yes. that there has to be some sort of safe word. Or... What's the safe word? Okay. So ask that. Then you can ask that person, what is this? What's the word? If they can't tell you the word, you know, hang up. Mm-hmm. Um, also ask that person to call you back on a phone number that you 
do you both know? So, you know, if they're not calling oh. you from the phone, Call number, mom's phone, yes, that kind of thing. Yeah, ex- com- exactly. Got it. So, um, so just be, you know, you can, there are some simple steps like that, mm-hmm. that you can take to protect yourself against those kinds of scams. We're also seeing, um, a rise in, um, gift card scams, yeah. which is something to think about here during the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, and then we're seeing a, a rise in in romance scams, especially uh, against our, again our our senior population. Mm-hmm. So so much money being yeah. lost to these romance scams, where someone will, you know, get you on Facebook, lure you in with the promise of love. I mean, yeah. we all we all want love. We sure. all want to be loved, right? Yeah. But you know, beware. Yeah. Like if somebody starts asking you for money on Facebook or, yeah. or Instagram. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> if somebody whatever it is, if somebody's using a high pressure tactic to try to get you to send them money, red flag. If somebody wants you to send them money over PayPal or or through gift cards, red flag. Try to use a credit card if you're paying for something, mm. if at all possible, so then you can get your money back if it turns out to be something you didn't want. And if you're you're getting those or you're a victim, is it appropriate then to get in touch with your office? Yes, absolutely. Please call us, um, file a complaint with us because we can potentially help get your money back. Sometimes we can't. You know, um, some of these romance scams, literally mm-hmm. the wa- money is being wired to Nigeria, um, to, to African countries. Cool. And literally, we I mean, we have law enforcement tools where we can see this st- stuff literally going out of Sun City. Um, to African countries. And w- unfortunately, once it's in the wire, it's done. It's yeah. very hard to get that so back. Stop the bleeding at that point. Yeah, exactly. So we, that's why we want to stop it from starting in the, uh, from the jump, right? You want, you want to try to prevent people mm-hmm. from being victimized. So I would say, um, yeah, please, please, um, get a hold of us at azag.gov forward slash consumer. You can also call our office. We do want you to complain file a complaint with us. We want to be able to try to help you. Um, we'll do everything we can to try to get your money back for you. And then the other good thing about that is that we can, we, if you, we can start to see patterns, mm-hmm. you know, and that can help me if there's a systemic pattern around a certain fraudulent company, then we can file a larger lawsuit against that company. Oh, potentially. when you show that there was a lot of damage. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that takes me to my next point. I was recent last week. I was with a, a group of chamber leaders from around the country, and I will say probably of the top three items, the top one was organized retail theft. And yes. you know, I think we're in a much better place. And you you can correct me if I'm wrong than a lot of our friends around the country. But it doesn't mean we can take our eye off the ball. Talk to us a little bit about the the issue and and. What what you're doing about that? Yeah, this is a really interesting one, and and you're right. We do we do have um, a very organized organized retail theft uh, task force and effort here, both at the state level. And I think uh, the Maricopa County Attorney is is starting to do work in this area as well. Um, but um, 
we uh, we are doing everything we can to prevent a, this rise in essentially in organized efforts by gangs. These are essentially gangs. Yeah, they're not just people walking into Target and pulling things out. There's no. a process. And of course, that happens. That's mm-hmm. you know shoplifting happens. Um, but these are generally organized gangs of criminals that are targeting retail st- stores. Large and small, but often large, you know, um, or mid-sized stores, uh, Target, Walmart, um, you know, uh, increasingly pharmacies, uh, and walking in and, uh, you know, with multiple people and brazenly taking uh, goods out. And, you know, the stores don't want to confront because it's dangerous dangerous stuff. And, and you can understand that. So we've, we have been um, engaging in sting operations to try to to stop this. We successfully stopped a a criminal uh, gang that was uh, stealing baby formula from major retailers. That was early Earlier this year, I did a press conference where we we literally lined up all the baby formula we, that we had seized um, from this gang and uh, the, from these the, these and they were doing it not just in Arizona. It was California, Arizona, I think Texas and 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 New York, and transporting it to New York and selling it in bodegas in New York. Yeah. And so you know this is this is is bad stuff. This costs consumers because yep. the retailers then have to pass the cost of right the rising cost of goods on to the rest of us it's it, not victimless no it's really not victimless so we're we're trying to be really aggressive on this we're going to have another announcement i i think this week actually good and um we're going to continue to do these investigations and hopefully create a deterrent effect so these folks think twice about doing this, especially in our state. Um, but it's a, it's a real problem. Do we need to think about statutory changes to give you more tools and on our county attorneys, more tools to prosecute? I, I think that's a good question. Uh, I'll think about that more than that. I think more money from the legislature would be a good thing. Um, additional funding so we can hire more prosecutors. I mean, mm-hmm. this is just one of those things where the more prosecutors that you have, the more investigators you have to go after this, the more we can do it. And the, the interesting thing about organized retail theft um, and our and our ORT task force is we work very closely with uh, with business on this. Um, uh, we we all of our meetings are both law enforcement and business, and we work together to try to really target where it's happening, and target um, the actual um, uh, criminal activity itself. And uh, that was, it's a really good partnership. And certainly, that's a nice one to put close for business on. You know, in yeah. terms of that, in terms issue. of that, for ter- yeah, happy to be close for business exactly. on that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard to believe that we're coming up on elections again. Uh, which yeah. <laughs> I think we're all ready for it to be done, but, but certainly the, the nationally, um, the topic of elections is, is, is important. What's the role of the AG's office in ensuring we have a safe and secure election going forward? 
Well, I mean, we play a really important role and, and I campaigned on this. I campaigned on the fact that we were going to protect our elections in Arizona. We were going to support our election officials, um, who unfortunately are increasingly coming under attack un, unjustly, un, unjustifiably, um, by some uh, in some quarters. And, uh, so what I've said is number one, we will not, uh, tolerate any, uh, threats of violence or actual violence against our elections officials. You know, I think secretary of state Fontes will tell you that, you know, fully two thirds of all of our counties have now seen the resignation of a top election official due to these kinds of threats, um, including my home County of, of Yavapai. And that's awful. Yep. That's really impossible bad for to believe that that could happen here in this country. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's very, very bad for our democracy when we have good people walking away from the job because they feel threatened by um, by folks who have been ginned up, frankly, ginned up by our former the former president to to believe that that we don't have safe and secure elections in arizona we do the other thing that that i'm going to do and i have promised to do is to make sure that that uh, you know county officials follow the law and you know i've i have issued some some letters and we have taken uh actions to make to to make it clear that there we have an election we have election laws those laws have to be followed and we're we're not going to tolerate the deviation from those laws Again, an area where I think we've done a really good job going back um, decades in decades. terms of uh, our voting system, uh, mail-in, mail-in, mail-in voting, vo- voting which is uh, top-notch. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I that I uh, vowed to protect when I was running for this office is 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 you know uh, mail-in voting. I mean, almost what ninety percent of us use it now. It is very secure and uh, it's not going anywhere. And I think the vast majority of Arizonans would be upset if they if they saw that happen. Absolutely, it's it's such a part of who we are now. Exactly, and we pioneered yes. it, right? And what's <laughs> ironic to me is it was actually Republicans that. Pioneered it's, it's true. It back in the early 1990s. And it, and it works well. Yes. Uh, so a few hot button issues for, since I'm, I'm sorry, I keep throwing all these issues at you. Hot button issues for the business community. Uh, one of the, those was a prevailing wage. You issued an opinion a few months back. Talk to us a little bit about that opinion. Yeah. So we, we issued an opinion um, that uh, I think, well, affects the cities that are that are considering uh, or have considered adopting a prevailing wage um, provision or ordinance, and we thought it was appropriate to, to provide that that guidance. I don't, you know, we'll see which cities mm-hmm. decide to move forward with that, and which cities decide not to. That's up to them. But we just we we felt like that it was lawful. We wanted to make that clear. I think we got a request from a legislator, if I'm not mistaken i'd have to go back and look at that but we got a request for for an opinion on that and we provided that guidance yeah i think for the business community i think certainty is always is helpful yeah you know i know there was obviously the the initiative and then there's the 
the prevailing wage itself. And I think having that, that clarity is going to be important. Yeah. The other one, uh, I know you've had some concerns with the, on, the, on the grocery store side, Kroger, Albertsons, a merger. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, this has been a big, it turned into a big part of my year, actually. <laughs> so um, we we decided to, to launch an investigation, an antitrust investigation, because we also uh, have antitrust laws in Arizona. Um, and uh, we... I have an antitrust and privacy division in a section in the civil division of the AG's office. So we decided to launch this investigation to determine whether I should try to block this proposed merger between Albertsons and Kroger. And that's essentially the two holding companies that own, that operate Safeway, Fries and Smith's. These two holding companies um, own 250 grocery stores in Arizona and they employ 35,000 Arizonans. So a big number of, of Arizonans. Big number of mm-hmm. Arizonans, a big part of our economy. Yeah. And what we heard, Todd, I, I did t- about 10 town halls on this all across Arizona. And what we heard from, from a lot of folks is that if this merger were to go be consummated and approved by the FTC and not, and allowed to go through by AGs, it could really have a pretty devastating impact, not only on the people who would probably the people who would be laid off as a result of store closures but also on economies local economies small businesses mid-sized businesses that are especially located around those stores so when you think about it you know there are a lot of stores and shopping mm-hmm. malls attached to the attached mm-hmm. to the anchor tenant which mm-hmm. is the grocery store places like chino valley said that um you know places like uh Arita, uh, down in southern Arizona. And so there was there's a real deep concern about the impact of that on surrounding businesses. And then others have opposed it formally, like the Western Growers Association. So farmers essentially worried about losing a major, you know, um, buyer mm-hmm. of, of, of food. And then I'm personally really concerned about the cr- potential creation of pharmacy deserts and um, fresh food deserts if these stores were to close, especially in rural Arizona. So what's the status then at this point? You So we're really close to a decision. I would okay. say watch this space over the next couple of weeks. I think the FTC is probably also very close to a decision. We'll have to decide if the FTC decides to try to block the merger, then we would have the potential to join their mm-hmm. lawsuit or file a, a, our own lawsuit. And that's sort of the decision point. You know, I can't, to be honest with you, I can't envision a scenario in which we would not, that in which we would not oppose this merger. Or so even if words, the FTC was, gave it the green light, you would still oppose? Yes. I mean, I I can't imagine uh, a, a scenario in which we would support, I would support this merger. I just don't think it's good for Arizona. Okay. We can look for that soon. Soon. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned um, doing a listening tour. And I think that's so important. Part of that, I think, includes a, a business uh, advisory council. You have talked to us a little bit about that and how people can perhaps get involved. Yeah, we'd love to see more more businesses get involved in that advisory council. I, I do think it's really important for me as attorney general. Just this one conversation you and I have had, it shows how, how broad and sweeping yeah. this job is. I still wonder how you sleep at night. I, I, okay. You know, it's a lot. And um, it's, it's a lot in a wonderful way way, but it's, it's a lot. And 
So much of what any attorney general does impacts the business community. And so I thought it was important to create a business advisory council so that I could let them know what we're thinking about, let them know what we're working on, but also hear from them. What 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 are their concerns? What's the business community mm-hmm. thinking about organized retail theft? Um, you know, are, from from a regulatory standpoint, what's impacting you? Mm-hmm. From from a tax tax standpoint, what's impacting you? Is is fentanyl impacting you? How's that? How how's that being viewed? What do you? What about education? You know, are, is our educate? What about our education system? You know, what do you need to see um, in terms of our education system? I personally think we need to support our schools more than we are in this state. And I think businesses believe that too. But this is just a great opportunity for, for, for us to get together occasionally and understand what one another is, is doing and um, working on. Absolutely. Well, I, I think there's a lot of willingness on the side of the business community to, to be a part of that solution and have a voice uh, with your office. So, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, thinking about you know, you, you're just a year in, um, you've got a long way to go. What are, what's your long-term vision and goals for the office? If you think about one or two. So, um, ultimately my long-term vision for the office and for, for the state is, you know, I want to build this office into something that really truly can serve as the lawyer for the people of Arizona and protect Arizonans. And, I want to build it up into to to that, um, and we already have so many dedicated public servants, you know, working day in and day out. In some cases, risking their lives mm-hmm. for Arizona, especially those people who are special agents who are working to fight the drug cartels and our prosecutors who are going after the drug cartels. But um, I want I want to make sure that we Arizona continues to be and is a place. Or where people can raise their families and work here and bring companies here and create companies here and, and do so knowing that it's going to be a sustainable place to live, a safe place to live and work and raise your family and a place that, um, will be somewhere you, you want to stay forever. And this is such an amazing state. It's a beautiful state with some of the most amazing people in our country. And um, they deserve the opportunity to, to raise families safely, securely, and sustainably and be able to stay here forever. Absolutely. At the beginning of our talk, you mentioned Grant Woods. You've mentioned a number of Republicans. Um I wonder what would your advice be for someone who's looking at running for the legislature, for instance, and, you know, they, you know, should, should they be afraid to, to reach across the aisle? Should they be afraid to, to talk to somebody from another party to, to perhaps cut a deal when maybe they're going to get primaried? What, how is, what's, what's the way around this? I mean, the, the idea that we can't talk to somebody with a different letter behind their name seems to be sort of the way we're going, but you seem to be someone who's not afraid to do that. I'm not because I, 
I, you know, I believe in that. I think that's how in, especially a state like Arizona that is so closely divided. My goodness, I ran, I want, as we were talking about, <laughs> I won by 280 votes. So, I mean, it is a closely divided state. And I won because, uh, for a lot of reasons, I guess, but uh, a lot of Republicans voted for me. And I know that a lot of independents voted for me. And we have to get back to a place where we're willing and able to reach across the aisle. I, I, I do think it's easier for a Democrat to do that these days, to be honest with you politically. I think it's very hard for Republicans. It's interesting you raise this question because this morning I'm we've been working with a Republican um, in on an issue and, and you know, wondering whether he's going to be able to continue to work with me on it. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I just think that it's uh, for, for them, for Republicans, unfortunately, the primary has become such, everything is such a, there are so many litmus tests for Republicans nowadays um, that, uh, it's very hard for them to work yeah. across the aisle, but I think we've got to get back to a place where we can, you know, we're, we just saw that this week, Sandra Day O'Connor passed, passed in, um, one of the greatest Arizonans, if not the greatest Arizonan ever to live. And she was famous for saying, you know, we can disagree without being disagreeable. It is possible. It is possible. It. I think we've seen it before. Mm -hmm. And I think we have we ha we have to get back to that place, and we also need elected officials who don't put their own careers ahead of public policy, good public policy. And I hope that at the end of the day, people will say that about me, that she didn't put her political career ahead of doing what was right, and and that includes working across the aisle. So. You know, I, this is, you know, again, this is a precious opportunity, but this might be my only term as attorney general. And if it and you're is, okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I, I intend to run again, mm -hmm. but if I lose and if I lose because of something that I, that I did that I thought was right, then so be it. Um, that that's okay. I'll go back to being a private citizen and, um, and that'll be that, but we, we can't have the situation. Number one, where people are afraid to work with each other no. because of, they have a D or an R behind their name. And we can't have a situation where politicians think that the whole world revolves around keeping that job. Yeah, that is, that is a challenge. It is. Um, well, thank you for spending so much time with us and for, uh, for the work you're doing on behalf of our state. We're going to finish off with a quick lightning round. Very uh, easy, I promise. Okay. <laughs> okay. First, so obviously you have five counties, you're probably in Prescott. First job. Mm. First job job? Yes, first job. First, like, yeah. China Jade. I was a, a, <laughs> a busser and a waitress at the China Jade in Prescott. What'd you learn? Oh, well, it was an awesome job. I, <laughs> I love that job. I learned, um, I learned how to work hard and I learned that, um, about, about working with people. And I learned, I actually love Chinese food. 
Chinese food's good. It's awesome. I agree. Yes. I always think service jobs are so important. You yeah, know, they it are. gives you a, an appreciation for the people who do it. Yeah. And, uh, and how and much little hard, patience. And how hard work it is. It's yes. really hard work. It's hard work. And it's I also learned learned an appreciation for small business owners and the people who own who owned that. They business. Signed, signed the front of a paycheck. Yes. It's a tough deal. Yes. Okay. So here's the next one. So I'm I'm interested in this one. Um, who's gonna play you in the Chris Mays movie? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, Todd, who's going to play me? I have an idea, but I want to hear what you think. Um, I want to hear your idea. I, Jody Foster, I think. Would oh be. yeah. Good idea. I think she, no, but come okay. on. You got to have one I yourself. Jo- yeah, <laughs> I got it. Uh, this shows you how many movies I watch. I don't know. I'll go with Jody Foster. Sounds I mean, good. it's kind of good. Come um, back to me on this one. I'll think of something. So I mentioned, how do you sleep at night? I guess uh, I can't go to sleep without reading. What, what are you reading right now? What book are you reading? So I have been um, reading a couple of different books. Um, I'm reading the um, uh, Walter Isaacson, mm. the couple different books by Walter Isaacson, um, his biographies recently. And then um, I've been reading, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm spacing on it now, but um, but there's a book uh, called uh, Partly Cloudy Patriot um, by Sarah Vowell, who is one of my favorite authors. So I've been re- actually rereading. A few books at once, huh? Yeah, rereading. I do. I have a tendency to skip around. Yeah. And then I've been also reading Sheldon Whitehouse's books. Um, he's written, a, he's a United States Senator from Rhode Island. And he's been, uh, he's been writing, wrote a book called Captured about the influence of uh, dark money and politics fascinating yeah i know i'm reading the the isaacson uh, biography on french franklin yes. right now which is fascinating what what a maverick uh, he was yes fascinating character yes of his time absolutely but i'm looking forward to the musk one as well yeah oh yeah me yeah. too yeah well thank you again really appreciate it. love to have you back maybe next year after you have another year under your belt um and we'll talk to you soon thank you todd thanks thank for you. having me